Uh, good morning, brethren. Uh, it's uh, nice to be here, and uh, it's uh, good to be here uh, for us to uh, gather. Um, this uh, past week, uh, two words have been running through my mind, you know, as uh, the things seem to be more uh, chaotic than uh, usual. Uh, and these words are, be still. Uh, the words be still can be used in a, in a few different ways, and, and that's exactly what I'd like to, to uh, look at this morning. Now, I believe it will be an encouragement to all of us gathered here or, or listening to the service online and, and to, be rem- to be reminded of this, to be still. And, and when I say these words, uh, my mind immediately uh, goes to Psalm chapter 46. Verse 10. If you have a moment and uh, if you have a Bible with you, maybe you can open that and, uh, and, uh, and uh, look at this uh, one verse in Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, which says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. Now, in this sense of the word, it means to. Well, to stop what you're doing and begin to remember and then get to the point where you completely become aware or in other words, you know, you know that He is God. And when you reset your, reset your focus from the busy life around you and become completely still, making God your focus, you will know the truth that he is God and that he will be exalted among the nations and that he will be exalted in the earth. Now, I've seen in the, I also read in the New American Standard Version uh, the same scripture which uh, reads like this. It says, stop striving. Yeah? Be still. In other words, stop striving and know that I am God. You see, brethren, we, 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 live, we live in the time when we have become so busy and distracted by so many things that we have forgotten to take a rest, to be still, and to remember and refocus on the mighty God. And it's the same almighty God that we have come to worship this morning. His message to us and to the world is to stop striving and to understand that He is the great I Am and He is not to be taken lightly and that is to be honored and adored, worshipped and exalted among the nations around the world. And I think, well, I think one of the reasons uh, God wants us to rest and He deliberately put this in our life, in, in, in the mission of, of time deliberately put this word or, 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 or place this activity of, 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 of mankind to rest so that we remember and refocus. Remember that God is above all and in control of all and refocus our eyes on Him from whom all blessings flow, even the smallest of blessings in our daily routines. God is the one who provides. 
by His mercy and grace. And, and, and nothing we have is of our own doing. We know all of that. And, but because of His what goodness towards us. So there is a time to cease striving and come away to focus on the greatness and power of God and give Him the glory and praise for everything that He has done for us even for our life. Now, I'm not talking about the rest as in keeping the law, as in Sabbath keeping in the days of Israel. I'm talking about the rest in the physical sense. Rest as in putting our priorities in order so that we can be renewed both physically and spiritually. As you see, the world has moved so far away from God and has embrace this 24-7 work culture and effort to improve this earthly life completely neglecting to take time for God completely forgetting that it is only by His grace that all things are coming their way completely taking God out of the picture when it comes to, to their daily activities and the purpose of these activities and so it is really it is really stressful and chaotic living in a godless world. The pressure is uh, huge on people who live godless lives. And, and you know, you kind of feel sorry and, 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 and that the desire to, to help them with their burden if only they would listen. But then, to be honest also, brethren, I'm sure that you feel the same way, that I feel even greater sorrow. I feel even, you know, more sorrow for them because uh, I, I have the kind of uh, strongest desire to help those living in the world who have obeyed Jesus Christ as the Savior and Redeemer, and yet they live a life of a slave and not of a life of a freed and redeemed son and daughter of God. It is not surprising that the world is running around, never quite getting anywhere on time, always running out of resources, never quite reaching the desired goals. And it does not surprise us because what? The world is lost. But we, brethren, although we live in the world, we are not of the world. We are God's own. We are God's own. Are consecrated. We are set apart for a different purpose, for a different life journey and a different destination. We are never on our own on this life journey. Our God is watching over us. Our God is guiding us. Our God is lifting us back on our feet or even carrying us when we have no strength left. So why then? Why then so much stress and anxiety among Christians? Can it be that we are forgetting to put God in the picture and, and we are doing everything on our own? And do you wonder sometimes that we feel exhausted, that we feel stressed? Let me tell you something profound, okay? You know, Earth, this world, is not our comfort zone. Life on earth 
is not our dream option. Life on earth is hugely difficult and, and 90% of those who chase after it lose the race and, and 10% of, 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 of who think that they got it realize that the price they had to pay was too steep in the end. And so we Christians have a huge task. We owe it to ourselves, we owe it to our Lord, and we owe it to our God. You know, we need to stop and take stock. We need to stop and refocus. We need to stop and look beyond daily existence and onto eternity. We are worth it. God says we are worth it. He loved us while we were lost sinners and he sent Jesus Christ to redeem us from our sins and to set us free from the bondage to death from our bondage to death because in his estimation we are worth sharing the eternity with that's your value that's our value he wants us there with him and this is who we are brethren we are beloved by the almighty God and this is our worth this is our legacy this is our identity and we are god's own in christ and if you believe this then let your faith grow be still and acknowledge god for who he is give of our life and all in it everything we are and everything we have and everyone we are with friends and family are his blessings to us you know it is really the good time to to give him glory and praise for he has given us love and life and identity and promise of the eternal life with him and god wants us to start living our lives now okay he wants us to start living our lives now with the focus on eternity with him he wants you and me and and, and brethren online uh listening to this message and, and for the brethren wide, uh, around the world to live today with the focus on eternity with Him. And when we, keep, when, when we keep our focus on eternity with God, we will journey through life with ever-living, ever-growing faith, which will give us confidence to be still when the world around us is in lost panic. When we, when we keep our focus on the eternity with, with God, we will start, go through, and end each day with complete assurance that we are successful on our journey because every day, every day is a day closer to this goal, to our life's destination, to the eternity with Him. But what about our earthly needs? And if we are honest with one another, a better question is, what is enough to keep us on our journey? And what do I need? How much do I need to be happy and content, but also safe and secure, provided for, and not a burden to anyone while I journey through this life towards the destination in eternity? You see, when we, when we shift our focus from eternity, we start thinking of this world as our final destination. And we start treating the, uh, things in, in this world as our life's, life's goals to be achieved or 
as indicators of success or failure on our life's journey. And so we work. And so we keep striving. And, and get stressed. And push ourselves into high blood pressure, strokes and heart aches or heart attacks or things. Instead of treating them as tools or instruments in our service to Him. The service of spreading the good news of salvation. You see, when we, when we keep our focus on God and, and set our priorities straight, when we are devoted heart and soul to spreading the good news of salvation, His limitless provision will be available to us. The one who has commissioned us to do the work will provide the tools for the job. Now, if you believe this, then let your faith grow. Be still and acknowledge God for who He is. Be still, stop striving, and appreciate His presence. Be still and know that He indeed is God, the great I Am, the unchangeable, the almighty, the alpha and the omega, the redeemer, the loving Father in heaven. Be still and know that God is still on the throne. I would like to point this out. You know, brothers, brother, uh, brother Sunny. Uh, shared in his sermons with us before, you know, that, that King Uzziah. Now, if you uh, go and find Second uh, Chronicles uh, chapter 26, you know, that King Uzziah was one of the truly good and godly kings that, that Israel had, and, and he ruled on the throne for a total of 52 years. And, and most of his reign was done in prosperity and building of wealth as God blessed him and the people. And so, but there was a turning point, and I want to remind you of what we have learned from the life of Uzziah. Uh, if, if you can go to Second Chronicles uh, 26, verse 16. 2 Chronicles 26, 16. Uzziah. It says, but when he was strong, talking about his Uzziah, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. You see, brethren, to kind of summarize this one, it is true that, you know, when we are strong, yeah, when we are strong and in a safe place in our life, we feel like we have achieved all that because... We have the skills and, and abilities. We may even become distant towards our fellow men and, and perhaps authoritarian or arrogant. You know, we, we may overlook the fact that, that God blesses us and, and our skills and abilities are futile without God's input. So Uzziah definitely feel that he was entitled to go into the temple and burn incense on the altar, which was not something a king was supposed to do according to God's law. And maybe he wanted to do a good thing. He had good intention. It's a good thing. But it's not a God thing. It was not God's intention for him. God gave him a, a responsible task of being a king, and, uh, but then he disrespected God, putting his own importance about God's supreme authority. And so, so if we carry on reading that in verse 18, the Bible says he went to the temple to burn incense and, 
And Azariah and the priests of the temple came toward him. In verse 18, it says, And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the, son, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. So right at this point, brethren, he was given a chance, even a chance to walk away and, and correct his attitudes towards his fellow men and towards God. But, you know, this, the, the pride or, or sense of entitlement can be deadly, deadly trap, as we see, as we carry on reading in verse nine, verses 19 to 20. This is what the Bible says. Then, then it says, then Isaiah became furious. Wow. He was furious. And he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. And as why the chief priest and all the priests uh, looked at him. And, and there on his forehead, he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. See, after 52 years, 52 years of, of, of strong and godly leadership, this heroic king who started out as one of God's good kings, eventually what happened? Eventually died of leprosy. There's panic in the kingdom. There's chaos in the kingdom. Even the world today is chaos. But God reigns. On earth there could be confusion. There could be power struggle. But God is above our petty arrogance. And, and in his kingdom there is perfect order. If you, if you go to Isaiah. Yeah? Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 to 3. It talks about Isaiah again, uh, Uzziah again. Because in, in God's kingdom, even though the world is chaotic, even though the, there is power struggle in, in, in between kingdoms or governments, there is peace and harmony in heaven. Isaiah chapter 6, 1 to 3. What does it say? It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord shining on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And verse 3. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah received the vision of the throne of God. And, and his train of robe filled the temple. So since the, the length of trains on the kings was usually associated with power, the longer the train, the more powerful the king is, uh, or the, the more, the, the more uh, king had, had the power. In the, and, uh, but in this case, the Lord's train of robe was the longest of, of any, and, and it filled the entire temple. And, uh, and the prophet Isaiah knew what this meant. And so when... Isaiah entered the temple that day. This was God's way of showing him in a vision that God was still on the throne. 
And I want us to be reminded, brethren, that God is still on the throne. He is still the King of kings and Lord of lords today. And so that's why the message for us is let, let's keep our eyes on the power and majesty of God. Because you know why? Man will fail us, but God will never fail us. Because God is still on the throne, we can be still and know that He is God. The second point I'd like to make today is God is still fighting our battles. Now this doesn't mean that we, we just sit back and, and do nothing. No, we, we do need to be actively engaged and, and while we do our part, the outcome is in God's hands. And one of my favorite stories about this is in the, again in the book of Second Chronicles. Again, and again, here's one of the things I have learned as I listened to Brother Sonny's sermon about the kings. Uh, while I can't share the entire story at this point, uh, at this point, I would like to share with you some of the things that were done at that time that I believe we still can do today in Second Chronicles chapter 20. And there was a period of time, you know, in, in, in chapter 20, verse 1 and 2, when at least three armies and others with them gathered together to face up against God's people under the reign of King Jehoshaphat. Yeah? It says, Second Chronicles uh, chapter 20, verse 1 and 2. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites come to battle against Jehoshaphat. Verse 2, Then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and, and they are in Hazazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. And uh, as you can see, brethren, it's very clear that they were outnumbered and didn't stand a chance yet. Jehoshaphat knew that there was more than meets the physical eye. And the Bible lets us know, as we continue reading in verse 5 to 6, that the, the approach that they took to see the enemy defeated in verse 5 and 6. Let's carry on reading. It says, Then, then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might, so that no one is able to withstand you? And he didn't, all, uh, and he didn't went on to pray and, and intercede not only on his behalf, but on behalf of the nation. And so, while others around him may, may have been scrambling, you know, get the troops ready, uh, uh, and, uh, he, and to, he, he began, okay? What did Jehoshaphat did? Uh, what did he do? He began the battle by being still. And knowing his God, he began with the prayer of firm belief that God is all powerful. And he demonstrated his full faith in the, in the Almighty. So while others you know, possibly search for, for physical evidence for an upcoming, uh, upcoming victory, he, Jesus, Jehoshaphat was all about seeking the face of God more than anything else. Instead of prayer being the last resort, it became the first thought. He went on to remind, to remind God, but actually he was reminding himself of all the mighty things God had done in the past and requested that he would do it again. 
in verse 7. Let's uh, read this verse 7. It says, Are you not a God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? What sort of message it's giving us, brethren? You know, when we pray, remember this, when we pray, we are in, inviting the presence of God into our situations and battles. Whereas when we, when we immediately go, go to look for other answers, we are denying the need for His presence. The most foul thing we can do as Christians is to humble ourselves before God and, and ask for His presence. And too many times we too many times we feel we would rather ask for his presence than his presence we must seek victory through prayer but also the third point that i'm going to make to make this this morning through praise victory through praise you know brethren as human beings we only praise god when we see the answer but very often in the bible we see that praise goes first before the outcome or answer. Let's carry on reading in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 21 to 22. Verse 21 to 22. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes, ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah. And what happened? And they were defeated. So clearly in this portion of the scripture, the, the army was poised and, and ready. But, you know, Jehoshaphat said, hold on, hold on. There's something far more important than swords. There's something far more important than spears. There's something far more important than what? The horses or our chariots. And what is it? It's called praise. And so, brother, let us not forget to praise God before any life battle. Don't let the enemy steal your voice of praise. Stop waiting until everything is answered the way you feel it should be. And begin to walk and praise God in advance of the answer. Pray and praise and faith. And the Bible let us know that without faith, it is impossible to please God, right? Hebrews 11.1 1. And faith is not something that follows an answer to a battle. Okay, let me say again. Faith is not something that follows an answer to a battle. It's something that precedes an answer to a battle or crisis. And so there is a power when you say, God, I may not understand it all, but I know. I know you're going to step in. You're going to step into my family's relationship one more time. You're going, you're going to step into this church issue one more time. You're going to step into my personal battle one more time. God did it before, and He can do it again. So let's praise God in advance, in faith. 
before the big life situations and not just after when comfort is restored in our lives when facing a problem or an issue let's first focus on the problem solver and then on the problem yeah we can be still and know that God is still fighting our battles the last thing I'm going to make this uh, morning, the, the point this morning, we can be still because we know that God is our source and, and, and giver of peace. And I'm sure that we know that peace is not simply the absence of conflict. Right? Jesus lived in a world that was filled with political and moral chaos. And, and, and even at the point of parting with his disciples, in, in John 14, 27, what did he say? John 14, 27. Our Lord Jesus said to his disciples in verse 27, he said, peace. Before he departed, he said, peace I live with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Yes, brethren, as you can see, the peace that the world gives is temporary and governed by the events surrounding us. Yet the peace which the Lord gives us is one that comes from our innermost being because of His presence. The another powerful scripture that, that applies to us still today is found in Philippians chapter 4. I'm sure we are so familiar with this. Chapter 4, 6 to 7 in Philippians. It says, the Apostle Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let me share with you a short illustration about the kind of peace God gives. I'm sure you heard this, and I also heard this from one of Sunny's uh, lessons as well uh, about the, the two painters, right? I'm sure you're familiar. Let me say this and uh, maybe and remind, and remind you again with these two painters about the kind of peace God gives to us. So, two, two painters were, were asked to paint a picture illustrating peace. The first painter. He painted a, a beautiful evening on a calm, calm lake, uh, surrounded by trees, meadows, and, 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 and a little cottage in the setting sun. And the, and, and the second painter drew a, a wild, a wild stormy sea with heavy black clouds and, and a huge water, waterfall in the center of the picture, pouring huge volumes of foamy water. And then there was a small bird painted in a cliff of a huge rock, absolutely sheltered from all danger, singing its songs of joy. It is the, sick, it is the second painter who captured the peace that passes all understanding which is in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the wisdom of God, and in the heart of the redeemed. And so to have this kind of peace, we must have peace with God. Let us be wise in seeking to gain an ever-increasing uh, sense of peace by focusing less on the storms around us 
and more on the Savior, our shelter from every storm. To finish, if there's anything that tears down the peace which God gives, is the con constant focus on the storm instead of the one who can calm the storm in his own time. So today, brethren, I would encourage you to be still and know that he is God and because he is God, we can remember. God is still on the throne. God is still our battle fighter. God is still our peace giver. Thank you.